Welcome to episode 118 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we'll talk about a rare but real plague of the trail, the Attitude, and we'll offer some easy solutions for how to combat it. Then on the Summit Gear Review, a down skirt to go with your down sleeping bag, down puffy, or down booties. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll show you how to turn your plastic spoon into a weapon. No, just kidding. We'll just show you how to extend the handle so that you can eat your freeze-dried food without getting your hands dirty. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. So you want to talk about the batitude, huh? Yeah, your batitude. But I actually don't want to talk about your personal bad attitude. I kind of want everyone to recognize maybe times where they've had a bad attitude or a baditude because it's so obvious when other people have it but we can't fix other people and if someone else has a bad attitude no matter what you do you're not going to be able to fix it and you know what it's also pretty obvious to myself when i have a baditude i mean it might be hard to admit it vocally but i think i know when i'm expressing that sort of attitude. Oh, yeah. I can sense it in myself. It's like this downward spiral. And no matter how much fun everyone else is having, I am just not going to. I don't want to. You can't make me. And like no amount of invitations or promises of good food or whatever it is they're trying to do to get me to have fun, it's not going to work. So on a backpacking trip or on on the hiking trail, what causes a bad attitude? Well, I guess, like psychologically speaking, I've heard that your thoughts play a big part in your emotions. So I guess technically those thoughts that you have like, oh, this person is annoying or, oh, this trail is a lot harder than I thought or, oh, I wish we didn't have to take that rotten detour that took us away from the nice trail and now we're on this crummy trail that has a lot more challenges. It's those thoughts that I think actually lead to the batitude. I think there's usually some external trigger and then if if we let our thoughts run, you know, we can just end up in a horrible attitude. So it might be that you spilled your breakfast. And yeah, that's a negative event. And then it's up to you whether that's going to turn into a bad day or just one negative event. That's a really great point, because there are negative events that happen on the trail. Say you had a negative event like that. We'll use your dropping breakfast on the ground example. Can anything turn it around? Like what would be something that you personally could do after dropping breakfast to turn that attitude into something? Okay, I'm going to say it. A gladitude. A gladitude. (laughs) (laughs) How could you turn that into something good and not just mope? I mean, could you just muddle through it and just be like, okay, I'm just going to 
recognize that that was a dumpy thing that just happened and I can be disappointed, grumpy, mad for a while. And then I'm going to flip the switch in 15 minutes and I'm going to be back to normal. Yeah, maybe maybe you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> if I what? dropped my breakfast in the morning, that would be hard for me to turn it around. It would be very easy for me to just kind of slip into that bad attitude for quite a while. I think the difference, though, between you and me is that, yeah, maybe you would be grumpy about it, but you're not going to make everyone else grumpy about it. If I dropped my breakfast or if something similar happened, I would make sure that I was miserable and everyone around me knew that I was miserable. <laughs> well, if someone tries to interact with me, then they're <laughs> going to find out that I'm miserable. So maybe that's the difference, that you would be more expressive <laughs> of your misery. And with me, it, it kind of, uh, you know, once someone tries to interact with me, that's when it comes out. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, is there a purpose to any of it? Like having the bad attitude or, you know, these little things that happen that maybe cause us to have an unpleasant experience. Is there any purpose to that on the trail? Hmm. What do you mean? Like getting past it. Is there a benefit to overcoming it? Or could you just muddle through it and still have meaningful time on the trail? Oh, I see. I think there's a lot of benefit to overcoming the bad attitude um, sooner rather than later. I mean, we all know how different we are when we're having a bad attitude versus a good attitude. And when you're in a good attitude, a good mood, it's like everything around you is great. And you notice all those good things. And the sky is beautiful and the trees are beautiful and the birds are singing and all of that. And when you have a bad attitude or you're in a bad mood, all of those same things are happening. But the sky is ugly and the trees are ugly and the birds aren't singing, even though in reality they are singing. <laughs> And so it just colors your experience so much. You end up having a bad day simply because you chose to have a bad day. I like the idea, though, of not allowing yourself to have a bad day, but just putting a time limit on it. Just say, OK, guys, I'm sorry. It's been a rough morning. I'll be back to normal by lunch. And that maybe will give your hiking mates or your family, whoever you're with, a little bit of hope and maybe it'll help them back off a little bit. So I like the idea of just letting someone feel their feelings and then just being there for when they come out of it. Yeah. And haven't we run into this with our kids? We have a couple yeah. of them who um, don't snap out of things easily. Mm -hmm. And as we've shared before on the podcast, we've had many, many trips where out of the six of us, there is one person who starts out the trip in a, just a horrible mood. And that mood lasts for, you know, the drive to the trailhead. We hit the trail. They're still in a bad mood. And sometimes even into the next day before that mood really turns around for them. So it takes a while sometimes. And when they are in that bad mood, you know, what's the kind of stuff that we do that works and that doesn't work? It just seems like no matter what we do to cheer them up, that really doesn't help. It's almost like we have to give them their space and give them permission to sort of, uh, I guess, check out and kind of reboot and come back. So true. And like we mentioned in the beginning, you really can't change other people's attitudes. You can only fix your own. So for today's top five list, we have the top five trail mood elevators. 
And these are things that you can work into your trail time or you can plan them or just being aware of those things that give you a little boost. Just knowing that you have something good happening in the future can make a big difference in your mood. So the number one trail mood elevator is setting and meeting a goal. And depending on what type of person you are, this could be a distance goal. It could be a time goal. Um, I've even heard it said that some people hike to camp and others camp to hike. So knowing which one you are can actually help with your goal setting. Arriving in camp might be a huge mood booster for you, or packing up at 6 a.m. to hike through the sunrise might be a huge mood booster for you. Maybe crawling into your sleeping bag after a day of strong hiking, maybe that's your goal, and that could be a huge mood booster. So much that the endorphins might make it hard to sleep. But just having a goal in mind, it doesn't have to be a smart goal or anything like that. Just kind of something in your mind that you can plan on. Yeah, it could almost be an arbitrary goal. Uh, my goal, you know, is to see 10 birds in the next half hour. And now you start forgetting about how steep the switchbacks are because you're looking for those 10 birds. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Well, the second thing on our top five list is related to this. Uh, it's small victories. Go for something small and succeed at it. And that gives you the boost to go on to the next thing. And those little things can really feel like big things. So be sure to watch for those little things and then celebrate your small victories. I mean, things as simple as going to the bathroom without making a mess of yourself <laughs> or reconnecting with people on the trail. You know, you both made it to the same place and yay, nobody got lost. Um, it's kind of like that feeling that you get when you successfully parallel park. I mean, no one is standing around your car clapping, but you kind of imagine in your mind that they are because <laughs> you're like, oh, I did it. Is this just a Heather thing that I imagine? <laughs> I'm sure many people have that in common with you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was in downtown Portland a few months ago and I parallel parked between two really nice expensive cars on a really busy narrow street. And when I got out of the van, I grabbed the two guys that were walking down the sidewalk and I was like, guys, I just parallel parked. <laughs> And they were like, oh, hey, right on. Cool. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was small victory, but it was huge to me. It made me feel so good. The number three trail mood elevator is getting into a rhythm. Sometimes on the trail, these false starts or frequent stops can kind of start to add to or compound your attitude. But once you get into a rhythm and your mind can kind of wander and you can go for long periods without stopping, it really gets the endorphins going. Josh, do you know anything about endorphins, anything sciencey that you want to share with us? Well, I only know what you wrote in the show notes oh, here. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what I learned from your show notes and from Wikipedia is that it's a mashup of uh, endogenous and morphine. So endogenous means internally created, native, I guess you could say. And morphine is, well, we know what morphine is. It's a mood booster. 
So in other words, uh, this is morphine that is created by your own body, or at least something similar to morphine. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same structure chemically, but close enough, it makes you feel better. Yeah, I think, I mean, the fact that our body makes this chemical is truly beautiful. Like the fact that we get this mood boost, this natural mood boost from just going from point A to point B is I think it's incredible. And what's cool is these endorphins that your body produces are, they're not going to have the addictive effects of taking a drug, you know, externally that you brought into your body. I mean, I know we've heard of people kind of getting addicted to exercise. And so I guess there is some basis in that. Like, I mean, every time you go out and run, your body generates these endorphins and it makes you feel better, uh, even though you may have um, a knee that's falling apart or, you know, some other physical ailment. And you just keep on running because you're feeling better psychologically, emotionally. So I guess there's that. But in large part, the, you know, moderate exercise that we do on a backpacking trip is just a natural mood booster. So like you say, when you can get into that rhythm and you can just keep putting one foot in front of the other consistently for many hours. You just get into the groove and you go. And I know how much that affects me when I get constantly interrupted, constantly stop, and then we start again, but only for a few minutes, and then we stop again. You know, it's not just the endorphins. It's just this feeling of like, we're, we're not making any progress right now. Like you start calculating your rate of progress and you start projecting out and realizing that we're not going to make it to camp until next week at this rate. <laughs> And that is so discouraging. It really gets you down. But if you can get moving, even if you're moving slowly, you can still project out and say, well, moving is more than zero miles per hour, which means we will make it to camp. The number four trail mood booster is music. On our Mount Jefferson backpacking trip, Josh and I ended up carrying our eight-year-old's 20-pound pack, which is another story that we covered in another episode, and we traded off every mile or so. That was really challenging to carry an extra 20 pounds, and I knew that if I didn't have some distraction, I would start to get a bad attitude. So I did something that I don't normally do, and I hiked with both earbuds in. Normally, Ooh, both. <laughs> well, normally I hike with one in because I want to be aware of stuff that's going on around me and I don't want to tune the whole world out, but I just felt like I needed music pulsing in my ears. And so I listened to the Beatles, the Mamas and the Papas, the Beach Boys, John Denver, some podcasts, some talks. And not only did it boost my mood, but when we got to camp, that good mood continued and I was able to help our family quickly set everything up before the snow that had just started falling turned to rain. And music doesn't have to just come in the form of mp3 files. It can also be your own voice singing or just whistling down the trail. And the number five mood elevator, of course, is food. Mm -hmm. And the two standout foods for me on backpacking trips are chocolate and citrus. Not together, but anything that has chocolate in it is a great mood elevator. And citrus is just such a happy, bright, tangy sensation. It's so wonderful. So we drink tang a lot on backpacking trips. 
But it's funny, at home, not so much. Like, it just doesn't have the same charm. <laughs> doesn't, have, doesn't even have the same flavor at home. It's kind of weird. Um, but another product that I've found that I am absolutely in love with is something called True Lemon or True Lime. And this company also has True Orange and True Grapefruit. And it's these little packets that have freeze-dried citrus powder. So the true lemon tastes just like a fresh squeezed lemon. The amazing one is true grapefruit. If you're a grapefruit lover, then you will love these little packets of true grapefruit. I got all of mine off of Amazon. I've had a hard time finding these little packets in the grocery store, but you probably will be able to find the true lemon or the true lime little shaker cans in the spice section at your grocery store. It's just amazing. I'm sure it's terrible for your teeth because it's just, you know, it's that acid, but it tastes really good and you can apologize to your dentist later. And then a few months ago, one of our listeners turned us on to tahine, a Mexican powder that's a, a blend of chili and lime. Mm -hmm. And salt. And salt. So that one's been fun. We've put that on all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. That is amazing stuff. And it's good on fruit. You can add it to your tacos. Like, it's just an amazing flavor. How many times have I said amazing? I don't know. A lot. It's that good. Tahine. Good stuff. I think since we've been talking about trail mood elevators, like, my mood has gotten a lot better. I didn't start out in a bad mood, but I am, like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, me too. Let's... Let's go hit the trail. <laughs> I'm ready. Hey, wait, we got to finish recording. Oh, okay. We'll finish the episode first. <laughs> well, no guarantee that these will solve your batitude and turn it into a gladitude. But these are things that you can, I guess, pull from, you know, your little bag of tricks on the trail. And it can help you get through some rough times, setting a goal, enjoying those small victories, getting into a rhythm using music on the trail, and food. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Scoop Mina Mid-Down Skirt. This is a down-filled skirt that's designed for outdoorists. This is a great skirt to pack along, especially if you are ready to get out backpacking and you want to do some shoulder season trips. This skirt has a two-way side zipper on the right side, and then it has a one-way zipper on the lower left side. And that one-way zipper is going to make it so you can get a little bit longer stride while you're hiking. The shell is 100% polyester with 500 fill power, 80-20 down feather. And the back of the skirt is a little bit longer by about three to four inches, which provides a little more warmth and wind protection. So for the mental image uh, of this skirt, you're looking at a down puffy for your lower half. Exactly, except without the arms sticking out. It's really great. And some of you may have even hacked your down puffy to do something like this. So you wear it kind of like a skirt. This is something that you can wear over your base layer. Like if you just want a little bit of extra warmth in the morning, and then it's going to be really easy to remove this skirt and put on a pair of hiking pants later in the morning as it warms up. This skirt is wind and water repellent, and it has two good-sized pockets that can easily hold your cell phone or your hand warmers or snacks. 
While this skirt has waistline belt loops, it's already a fitted skirt and it has elastic around the back of the waistline. So these waistline belt loops are really probably more utility loops for holding a carabiner or they can be used for hanging the skirt dry. You're probably not going to use these belt loops for sporting a belt. This skirt comes in extra small through extra extra large and probably as far as sizing goes, probably a size up from what you normally order, since you'll probably be wearing a couple extra layers underneath. For mass, the Scoop Mina Mid-Down Skirt weighs just under 12 ounces for the medium size, which is about 340 grams. And for maintenance, you'll just want to treat this like a down sleeping bag and wash it conservatively, and then dry it thoroughly and gently. And just make sure the down hasn't clumped up inside the baffles during the drying process. As far as investment goes, the skirt is $169. Scoop also has three other sizes of skirts that are insulated with down. There's the long, and that's $200. There's the short, and that's $159. And then there's the mini, which is $139. Ask me why you need a mini insulated down skirt. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It seems a little... um. Why would you need a tiny little down skirt? <laughs> anyway, someone's going to love it, I'm sure. But I thought the best length for hiking was definitely the mid. Let's talk trial. You got this skirt almost exactly a year ago, so you've had a couple winters now of using it. Well, I can tell you, this skirt is great for sleeping in. It provides warmth. It's great for having that extra layer of warmth just all around you. And one of the benefits of actually wearing the down as opposed to having just a down sleeping bag over you is that the skirt isn't going to shift around like a sleeping bag does. So it stays in place really well. One of the other benefits that I found for this skirt is that it doubles as a changing shield. If I'm wearing a skirt, I can easily take off the base layer and put on the pants without having to go hide behind a bunch of trees. So it's just convenient for changing. One of the other things that I loved about this skirt is that it allows for lots of movement. So even though it's a pretty slim fitting skirt, the zippers can zip up. So one of them will go all the way to the top and then the other one just goes halfway. And so it makes hiking really comfortable. You get those long strides, but you still stay warm. This particular skirt falls about six inches below my knees, which I felt was a really great length for a hiking skirt. The only thing that I didn't love about this skirt was that I think it's a little bit pricey for 500 fill power. I would love to see a higher fill power in this skirt. Upping the fill power to provide that extra warmth would be just a really great next step for Scoop. But still, I mean, I'll take 500 fill power over nothing. One of the other things that I think is notable about this skirt is that the fabric is durable. So it's not like that ultralight sleeping bag material that's kind of, you know, super thin and see-through. This is pretty durable material. So I felt like I could actually live in this skirt and not feel like, oh, what's going to happen if I sit on this log? Is it going to rip my skirt and feathers are going to fly everywhere? It's just a really great material. So I think the Scoop Mina mid-down skirt has great warmth, coverage. It's a really great extra layer and is a multi-use piece of gear. For today's backpack hack of the week, an on-the-fly spoon handle extender. 
So if you've ever eaten a freeze-dried meal out of a bag with a spoon from your kitchen, you know what your hand looks like afterwards. It's like dinner part two. You have to lick off all the sauce. So if you want a longer spoon, you can easily lengthen it on the trail by using a stick and a hair tie or rubber bands. And this can either be a permanent solution or a temporary fix. Simply wrap the rubber band several times around the handle of the spoon until it's tight. Then slide the stick or chopstick or tent stake or pencil or whatever you have underneath the rubber band. Then lengthen the rubber band out a little bit so it's not all bunched up in that one spot. So spread it out a little. Right. Kind of make it look all zigzaggy and crisscrossy. Um, And that'll just provide a little more stability for your spoon handle extender. Problem solved. Yeah. You can eat dinner without getting it on your hands. We go for those small victories on (laughs) backpacking trips. Yes. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, George Washington Sears. He was a sports writer for the Forest and Stream magazine in the 1880s and... He was also an early conservationist. If you've never heard of this guy, you may know him better under his pen name, Nesmuk. Ring a bell? Nope. Nope. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I checked out a book from the library by this guy, and he's an entertaining writer. He's just so great. But the name Nesmuk is a name that he took from a Native American who had befriended him when he was a child. So this quote is taken from his book, Woodcraft from 1963. He said, We do not go to the green woods and crystal waters to rough it. We go to smooth it. We get it rough enough at home in towns and cities. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Mr. Batitude. <laughs> I have maybe I have a hard time doing Mr. Batitude. Thanks. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to finish the show. We still have to finish the whoa, episode whoa, whoa, before whoa. we can go out and take that hike. We have to say something. We're not done yet. Right.